scripture passage this morning is John chapter 15, starting in verse 26, reading through chapter 16, verse 4a. It can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1,678. 1,678. Chapter 15, verse 26 through chapter 16, verse 4a. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. As for the reading of God's word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, help us to see Christ, your Son, in these words. Help us to see his love, his devotion to his disciples, and his promises to us which are all yes and amen. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, now, it hasn't been that long ago for me, my high school graduation, that is. Some of you, it might have been some time ago. Maybe there's still a phrase that you remember from your high school graduation speaker. If you even had those back then, you had those back then, right? But there's one, there's one particular phrase that I remember from my high school graduation speaker. And it was a story he told, but essentially the story boiled down to that your life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to what happens to you or how you react to what happens to you. When some people, bad things happen, and they say, well, th- this is why my life turned out this way, this bad thing happened to me. And the example that he gave was two brothers who had the same mom who was a drug addict. One grew up to be a drug addict, and when someone asked him, what happened to you, why did this happen to you, he said, well, my mom was a drug addict. The other one grew up to be very successful, valedictorian of his high school class, went on to have a great career, and when somebody asked him, why, why did this happen to you? What, what happened? He said, well, my mom was a drug addict. The question is, one said, that's all I'm going to be, and one said, that's what I don't want to be. Your life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you respond to it. Maybe you're wondering, what does this have to do with our scripture passage this morning? Well, Last Sunday, we talked about what causes persecution, why the world hates us, why the world 
hates Christ. So we talked about the reason behind the persecution. But today, Jesus changes the topic. He is no longer explaining the reason for persecution or the cause of persecution. He is now instructing his disciples on how they should respond to persecution. How they're called to respond to persecution. This morning, the scripture tells us, this passage tells us, that Christ empowers us by his spirit to testify through our trials. Christ empowers us by his spirit to testify through our trials. And he does this in three ways. He does this by giving us a counselor. He does this by giving us a calling. And then he does this finally by giving us a certainty. A counselor, a calling, a certainty. So let's look first at a counselor. 15, chapter 15, verse 26 says, When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The scripture, this long passage that we call the farewell discourse, Christ has spoken already about the comforter, the counselor, the advocate. But here, in this context, he's saying that the counselor that he's going to give to us, his disciples, is a spirit of truth. A spirit who speaks truth, speaks the word of God. That Christ is going to be the one who is sending, doing the sending from the Father. This is actually exactly what we confess when we say the Spirit proceedeth from the Father and the Son. Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, He comes out from the Father to us. One of the questions that we need to answer about the reasoning behind persecution and why that persecution then transfers to Christ's disciples is, how is that transition going to take place? Christ is now with them, among them, and that persecution is aimed at Christ because he is physically present with these disciples. But Christ is now saying, I'm going to leave. I'm no longer going to be with you. But you need to know that the same persecution that I received, the same hatred that I received, you're now going to receive that. Why exactly does that transition take place? How does that transition take place? And what we're being told here is that the reason why the hatred of the world transfers from Jesus to his disciples is because we are given the Holy Spirit, Christ's Spirit, who indwells us. And guess what this Spirit of Christ does? It testifies about Christ. What I'm saying is that we have the testimony of Jesus in us. Very similar to what Paul says when he says, an epistle written on the heart. And I told you last week 
the reason why we experience persecution is because we are being made renewed in the image of God's Son. But the mechanism, we could say, for that occurring, the reason why we are growing more and more to be like Jesus is because we have the Counselor, the Advocate, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit who's been poured out on us, the Spirit of Truth who testifies about Christ. And that's why Because we have the Spirit, we are then given this calling. Verse 27, Jesus says to his disciples, And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Now we will obviously understand, I hope, that verse 27 is speaking specifically of Christ's disciples, his his twelve apostles, the ones who were with him from the beginning of his ministry to the end, who are then going to be witnesses not only of his ministry, but also his death and his resurrection. That they have the unique historical calling to be those who are eyewitnesses of the risen Christ. But there is a correlation Jesus is saying here between the testifying of the Holy Spirit, the counselor, and the testifying of his disciples. There's a connection here between the testifying of Christ's Spirit and our testifying of Christ. And that is to say that they have the same source. Yes, the disciples had the unique historical calling to be the eyewitnesses of Christ. But we share the same Holy Spirit that they received on that day of Pentecost. Poured out upon them when they began their testifying ministry. Proclaiming that Christ was the Messiah whom died on the cross for the sins of his people. We too are called to be witnesses. We are to testify to Christ, but not in our own power, not in our own strength. We are to testify as the Holy Spirit testifies. We are to testify because the Holy Spirit testifies within us, calling us, convicting us, commanding us, encouraging us to open our mouths and speak the good news of Jesus Christ, that there is now, as there never has been before, forgiveness of sins. That you and you and you, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, no matter what color of skin you have, you can be forgiven and have fellowship with God. 
We don't share in the same exact calling that the disciples had since they were with him from the beginning, but we do share in the calling to testify of Christ. You also must testify as the spirit of truth testifies. So Christ empowers us by his spirit to testify through our trials. So let's look at this final point, a certainty. <coughs> Verse 1 through 4a says, All this, Jesus speaking to his disciples, I have told you that, so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. So what is this, a certainty? I told you that Christ empowers us by his spirit to testify through our trials. Well, the truth is, we need this promise of Christ that this is certainly going to happen. And this promise from Christ that this is certainly going to happen is meant to encourage us and strengthen us in our faith and our trustworthiness of Jesus, of the Savior. And he is telling this to his disciples for very certain reasons. In verse 1 he says, All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. You see, what Jesus is saying here to his disciples is not that the biggest fear that they should have, the biggest thing that they should be worried about is the hatred of the world and the persecution that they are going to experience. What Jesus is saying is that the worst thing that could happen to you is that you would go astray. You would lose your faith. You would fall from grace. He doesn't want that to happen. So he says, I've told you this so that you will not go astray. The Greek word here is scandalizo. It's where we get our word scandalized, that you would be scandalized by what you are going to experience at the hands of of those whom you used to call brothers and sisters, because you realize this, right? That at the beginning of the church, the biggest persecutors were the Jews themselves. I've told you this so that you will not be scandalized. You will not be shocked. I don't know how many of you are this way, but some people are this way and some people aren't this way. Some people don't like surprises at all. Don't give me a surprise birthday party. I will not be happy about that. I don't like to be surprised. I need plans, okay? You need to tell me when it's going to happen, what's going to happen, so on and so forth, you know? Maybe some of you are like that. Other people are fine with surprises. What Christ is saying here is, I don't want you to be surprised. And because of that shock, because of that scandal, you fall. 
from your faith. You go astray. And this is what he then tells them. His disciples, they're going to put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. So the, the tables are going to turn. Christ is telling this. This is a very historical, rooted moment. His Jewish disciples, that one day, not now, but eventually, they're going to realize that you're not like them. That you're no longer part of this Jewish religion. But you have gone a different direction by believing in me as the Messiah. And because of that, they're going to kick you out of their churches. They're going to kick you out of the fellowship, of the religious community. Not only are they going to kick you out of their churches, but they're going to think that by killing you, they are doing a service to God, to my Father. And if you need a real good example of this, something that would solidify this concept to you, all you have to think of is Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul, whom we're introduced to at the beginning of the book of Acts, who was breathing out hatred of the way this sect of Jewish believers who saw Jesus as the Messiah. Paul was a Jew through and through, a Hebrew of Hebrews, he says, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee, the greatest at keeping the law. And Paul believed that he was doing a service to God as he held the coats of those who threw stones at Stephen, the first martyr. He believed he was serving Yahweh. He was doing the right thing. Until Christ knocked him off his horse and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That's what these disciples are going to experience. And there is a similar experience that has occurred throughout history concerning the faithful. Those who hold to the faith, hold to the truth. What is the Reformation besides those who believe they were Christians persecuting and killing Christians? And have you ever asked yourself this question? There's been many a church splits. And some people look at that and they say... What a shame. Lack of church unity and lack of oneness of mind and purpose. But it's always, it's always the faithful who leave a church who's gone off to start a new church. Plenty of examples, but one that we can point to that's just now happened recently is Who's leaving the United Methodist Church? 
the traditionalists who left the PCUSA, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. The faithful leave. They are kicked out of the synagogue. And there are people who persecute them who think they're doing a service to God. And the reason why this persecution occurs is because they do not know Christ and the Father. They have no knowledge of the true God. And so the God whom they believe they are serving by doing what they are doing, the God whom they believe they are pleasing, is not God at all. And the irony, the irony given here in this passage concerning those who believe they are doing a service, who are offering a service to God by killing Christians, are in fact offering a service to God in the martyrdom of the faithful and the testimony that these people give through their trials. And finally, verse 4, Jesus says, I have told you this, so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. In the Greek, it says, I have told you this so that when their hour comes, you will remember that I warned you. I think it's important that we hear that phrasing, when their hour comes. Because it gives us a contrast. The hour of darkness is a biblical concept, a biblical phrase. And what it does is it elicits the, the idea that the bad guys are winning. Their hour has come. The hour of darkness like the hour of darkness the Christ experienced on the cross is something that says, this doesn't look good. It looks like the bad guys are winning and the good guys are losing. This is their hour. And Christ is saying these words to us this morning because he wants us to know when that hour comes, that we'll remember that he told us. This is what it's be like. Have you ever thought about that time marker, when their hour comes? Because there's another time marker in the scriptures. It's not called the hour of the Lord. It's called the day of the Lord. Darkness may have an hour, but the Lord has a day. And Christ wants us, his disciples, to know that as we go throughout this life and we experience the hour of darkness, 
that we should not be frightened, we should not be scandalized, we should not be shocked because he told us this was certainly going to happen and he told us that although they, the darkness, may have an hour, I have a day. That the day of the Lord is coming. And in those moments when it seems like the bad guys are winning and the good guys are losing, we're called to remember. And by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, as we go through the darkness, as we go through the trials that we have because of the hatred of the world, testify. Testify that there is forgiveness still. Testify that the day of the Lord is coming when he will judge the living and the dead. And because you are here now and there is time now, repent and believe in the gospel. We We should praise the Lord. But he has not put in fine print all the details about this contract that we don't like. He has put in bold print, this is what you're going to experience. You're going to go through trials. But he's also promised us that he would be with us in those trials. That he will strengthen us in those trials and that he by his Holy Spirit within us will testify about the goodness of God even in the midst of great darkness because they have an hour. But the day of the Lord is coming when all things will be made new. Every tear will be wiped away. And those who have trusted in the Lord will not be put to shame. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you. By the Spirit of Christ that you empower us to testify through our trials. The trials that you've promised us we will experience. We pray, Lord, that through those trials we may be we may be willing to let go of this world, its ways, and the sin that still clings to us all the more, to trust more deeply and dependence upon you. That as we go through these trials, Lord, may we hunger and thirst more for righteousness, for the new heavens and the new earth, for perfect sinless bodies. We ask, Lord, that you would empower us, that we may testify of Christ in our trials and difficulties, that we may remember that although they have an hour, you have the day. May we be prepared when you come on that day to judge the living and the dead. So in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.